0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Galatians. We've been in a series in Galatians, and over the last couple of weeks we took a little break with Palm Sunday and with Easter. We were in Luke and the book of Esther, and now we're going to return to the book of Galatians. And so I just kind of want to do a little recap for perhaps you're new here and you were not a part of what we've already done, so hopefully this will serve as a catching you up. And for those of you who have been part of the Galatian series, hopefully this will just remind you um, and make everything fresh again once in your mind. So Paul, he went uh, to the Galatian churches, or to Galatia, which is in Asia Minor, and he preached the gospel. When he went to go preach, uh, people then began to respond by faith. Churches were formed. Thus we have the Galatian churches. And now what has happened is that Paul is writing this letter in about 49 AD and he's writing it to the Galatians because some people called Judaizers have come to these churches and they have said, you know that guy Paul, he's actually not a real apostle. His message is a little bit different than the other guys and so we're here to correct that. And so what they said is um, he's right that Jesus is good but he stopped short. Jesus is not sufficient to save you. You also still need the works of the law. You need circumcision and following the Mosaic law. And so they added the law. So their, their gospel message was salvation or salvation equals gospel plus works. And so that is what they were presenting, which if you remember, if you were here part uh, of the earlier part of this year, we looked at the five solas, You know, grace alone, Christ alone, and those. And the Protestant Reformation was birthed out of the fact that the Catholic Church had added to the gospel, added works, and they had begun to deny the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. So, very similar things that are happening here. And so, in chapters one and two, Paul is going to primarily defend his apostleship. And he does that in order to show, I am a real apostle from jesus christ and the gospel that i gave is the exact same as the other gospels or the, as the other apostles and that's what his point was as he moved on into chapter two and now in chapters three and four he's specifically really going to bring about the theological basis for why we are saved by faith and not by works of the law and he's going to do this by addressing the question who are the real sons of Abraham? Now that might sound weird to you, like who's the son of Abraham? Why are we concern, concerned about who is a son of Abraham? Um, in Genesis 12, 15 and 17, um, God comes to Abraham, makes a covenant with him. And what we see is that it's through, uh, it's through Abraham That God will bless all the nations. And specifically, it's going to be through the seed of Abraham, which is Jesus Christ. And so what we learn is that all the blessings of God are going to come through the line of Abraham, through Jesus Christ, and all who believe in him would then be sons of Abraham, or otherwise also known as sons of God. So in answering the question, who are the sons of Abraham, we're also answering the question, who are the sons of God? And so in, chapter, or in verses 1 through 5, which is what we're going to look at today, Paul is going to say, look at your experience. How you came to know Jesus. Was that faith or was that works? And then in verses 6 through 9, he's going to say, Look, even Abraham was justified by faith, not by works. And then verses 10 through 14, he's going to say, um, It's not by the law because the law only brings curses. And so then, what that question or what that will inevitably do is bring up the question, Why then the law? What is the relationship between the law? And Moses, or the law, which is Moses and the, the Mosaic Covenant, and Abraham and Jesus in the New Covenant. You ever wonder how all that fits together? So that's what we're going to cover in the next few weeks as we go through chapter 3 and into chapter 4. Paul is going to make it abundantly clear that the people of God, the sons of God, the sons of Abraham are saved by faith. And so our main point today is the Christian life from beginning to end is entirely characterized by faith in jesus christ and so i'm going to ask that you would stand and we're going to read galatians chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 we stand here as a way of honoring the word of god because we do believe it comes with this full authority inspired by his spirit verse 1 "O foolish galatians who has bewitched you it was before your eyes that jesus christ was publicly portrayed as crucified let me ask you only this Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Lord, may we understand that the beginning of the Christian life is faith and every step after the beginning is faith. Everything about the Christian life is faith in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your son. Lord, be with us now as we open up your word and we we study it. Give us wisdom. Humble us today draw us to repentance, encourage us. And God, may we leave today understanding that as Christians, we live by faith. In your name, Jesus, amen. You all may be seated. So Paul begins with kind of pointing out the stupidity of the Galatians. And, and this, is, this is what he means. He says, oh, foolish. The word foolish means stupid, it means dull-witted. Now, one uh, theologian, J.B. Phillips, said, this is how he translated it, oh, you dear idiots of Galatia. And so, so this, is, this is the feeling that he's giving across, and, and Paul is mad, but this is different. In chapter 1, when he says, I'm astonished you are so quickly, deserting him who called you into a different gospel, and... Um, and he's saying, let these false teachers be accursed. He's angry at these false teachers. I mean, he's calling down hellfire upon them. But when it comes to the Galatians, I mean, he's, he's mad, he's upset, but he's frustrated. I mean, it just doesn't make sense what they're doing. In fact, he says, who has bewitched you? It's almost as if someone has put a spell upon them. It makes no logical sense the way that they're, act, the way that they're acting. I mean, Paul is not like a father... And he's mad like like a son just kicked a ball through the big window next to the front door and just broke. It. He's not mad like that. He's kind of mad like if if you and I said we're going to go to the movies later, and I say, "Hey, here's a ticket for you. I'll meet you in the movie theater." So I've already bought your ticket. I gave you the ticket. We go, or I'll meet you there. So I go. I show up early. I get into my seat. I'm waiting for you. You know the previews come. I'm still waiting for you. the The, the movie comes on. I'm still waiting for you. The credits come. I'm still waiting for you. Eventually, I go back out, and there, there you are. You're, you're right there in front of the movie theater. And I say, why didn't you come in? You say, well, I forgot my wallet. I didn't have money. Like, I gave you a ticket. You didn't need money. That's stupid. Like, what were you thinking? It makes no logical sense. You didn't need money to get in because I gave you a ticket. So that, that's where Paul's at right now. He's angry, and he's frustrated, and it's it's foolish what the galatians are doing and so how does he respond well he's going to show how the word of god reveals the cross of jesus christ he writes it was before your eyes that jesus christ was publicly portrayed as crucified so so what he's doing he's referring to the gospel he's referring to the fact that jesus died on the cross and rose again three days later well how is that revealed to the eyes of the galatians i mean think about that how how he says it was before your eyes that jesus christ was publicly portrayed as crucified well not really i mean that was like in 33 and we're like in 49 so how was it portrayed before their eyes it was through the preaching of the word this was paul's practice All throughout the book of Acts, we see that he would go from city to city preaching the word of God, preaching the gospel. And as the gospel would go forth, we would see that people would respond by faith and that they would be saved. Verses 2 and 5 seem to support this. If you look, both of those use the words hearing with faith. And so hearing with faith seems to support the preaching of the word. They responded with the hearing of faith. You see, it's it's through the preaching of the word that the church was birthed, and it's through the preaching of the word that the gospel continues to to grow the church and spread throughout the world. Romans 10, 17, listen to how this phrase is. is. This is one of those verses we should have memorized. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So how does anyone come to faith? It's through the word of God. God uses his word as a means, as his instrument of giving faith. 1 Corinthians 1.28. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so this is what Paul did. He went and he preached the gospel. He proclaimed to the Galatians that there is a God who created all things, heaven and earth. And in this earth, he created man in his own image, that we would love him, that we would live for him. We lived in a garden in his presence, experiencing all of his blessings, but then because of sin, we rebelled against him. And because of that, we were removed from his presence, and that we were no longer able to enjoy the blessings of God. And so at that moment, we're removed from the garden and we are not able to earn our presence back or earn um, ourselves back into the presence of God. We cannot earn his goodness. We have no ability to get back into the presence of God. And in fact, what we learn is that we're under we're under curse now. We're under God's wrath because of sin and so the only thing we now deserve is wrath and yet that's then why he sends his son jesus christ he sends his son jesus that he would come and die on the cross that he would take your sins and my sins that he would take the curse that's what we'll see in verse 13 christ redeemed us from the curse law by becoming a curse for us so that he would die on the cross for you and me that we would be saved and be forgiven and given the righteousness of god that we would become sons of abraham sons of G- uh, sons of god brothers and sisters of jesus christ and that's what he preached and out of that preaching the church was formed in galatia and this is why this is why we do sermons here today i hope you know that like we don't we don't preach because we think it's a good idea we preach Because what we see in the word of God is that the word goes forth and it's through the preaching of the word that we come to faith. And so every week when we come here, the preaching takes the dominant time in our service. That's that's with a purpose. We do that so when we come, the primary function that we come is to hear the word of God, that we would grow in our faith. And then it's through songs. We respond to God. We respond um, out of joy and out of love and out of repentance. The giving is also a way we respond in faith to God. But the sermon is where we come because it's through the word that we see Jesus. This is what's happening. Every week as we preach the gospel, we're seeing the cross of Jesus Christ. I've heard some people say at times, why does he give the gospel every week? Why does he always explain Jesus and the whole gospel thing? That's because that's what the word does. Every time we're in the word, it's bringing forth who Jesus Christ is. In fact, if you've responded by faith, if you're here a believer, then, then the, the joy is every day when, when you wake up and you open up your word, do you know what you're reading? You're reading the gospel. You're seeing Jesus Christ every day through the scriptures. Why he came, what he accomplished, what, what has been done for us, what he's going to be doing. So I want to encourage you. Church is not optional. We come here to gather for the preaching of the word of God. Because it's through the word that we all have faith. And it's through the word that we will continue to grow in our faith. I want to encourage you to, to be in the word um, in your own times. This is We don't eat once a week, do we? I hope we don't eat once a week. If you do, come see me. Come, come over and eat at my house. But we, we don't just partake of the word once a week either. Let us, let's feast on the word daily. And so, Paul, he's now going to show how we began the Christian life with faith. And I think that's the first feeling. The Christian life begins with faith. In verse 2, Paul's going to ask the question, how did we receive the Spirit? If you look at verse 2, he says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So the things that are being contrasted are Works of the law, hearing with faith. This is very similar to verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit. Verse 2 is, how did you receive? Verse 5 is, how did he give? And was it works of the law, or was it hearing with faith? So that's the question that he gives. And so let's first answer that by, well, what does it mean to receive the Spirit? What does that mean? When, When you receive the Spirit, well, when did you receive the Spirit? Do we have the Spirit? When does anyone receive the Spirit? Well, what we see in the New Testament is that all who believe in Jesus Christ have received the Spirit of God. In Romans 8 9, you write this one down, it's good to go back. In fact, all of Romans 8 is a beautiful exposition of, of the role of the Spirit in, in our lives. And so Romans 8 is just amazing um, treasure chest of what the Spirit does. Romans 8 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So if you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit. If you don't belong to Christ, you don't have the Spirit. You're in the flesh. So either you're in the flesh or you're in the Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, you have the Spirit. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're in the flesh. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 6 confirms this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. It's very clear. You were not saved by works but uh, works, But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And so uh, we see in our salvation, the Holy Spirit is working in us, renewing us, regenerating us. In verse five, we also see, I'm sorry, in verse three, he says, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? So he clearly emphasizes at the beginning of our Christian life, we begin with the Spirit. The Spirit comes upon us. And so Paul is saying, Galatians, remember when I preached to you? And, and, and you received the Spirit? Was that by works of the law? Or, or was that by hearing with faith? When you were saved, what took place there? Was that because you earned it? Was that because you deserved it? Was that because of your resume of works? Or was that because of faith? You see, that day, he's reminding him, that day you came as an unbeliever. You came and and as the gospel was preached to you, something began working and moving inside of you to the point you said, yes! Yes! Yes, I do. I believe in Jesus. I believe He is the Son of God. I believe He did come and He died and three days later He rose that I would have forgiveness of sins. I do believe it's like someone took those defib battles and put them on you and shocked you and all of a sudden life comes in. Yes, I believe. That's what he's reminding him. No, it's not because of works. It's out of faith that you came alive. Back in chapter 2, verse 16. Paul's already said this. He says, we know that a person is not justified by works of law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see how Galatians was so instrumental in the Reformation? Remember, we started out this, this year looking at The gospel comes to us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, for God's glory alone. And Galatians was huge at that point, reminding the church, or actually bringing out the Protestant church, the Reformation, that we would once again come back to the scriptures and see that the gospel is all about grace alone, and faith alone, and Christ alone. So I want to encourage you, take a moment, think, when you were saved, was that by your works? Were you, were you enamored at yourself at the point when you were saved? Or were you in awe of God because you heard with faith? Think back, if you can. Now, some of you, you may have had one of those dramatic experiences, kind of like Paul did. It all happened in one moment, and you just, wow, the gospel came, and you just changed right then. Some of you, it might have been that long, gradual process. Oh, but was it because of faith or work? I think when any of us truly look at it, when we look back at our own experience, we know we're not saved by our works. We know that we're only saved by faith. So we begin by faith. Justification is by faith, not by works. Now, the title of this message is the A to Z of the Christian life. And so the point is, we don't just begin with faith and then we we continue on with our works. Now, we say things like that. Perhaps you've thought of it in like a relay system before. Jesus does his part. He hands a baton to you. You now do your part. So often what that's termed is justification, us being declared righteous. That's what Jesus does. Now sanctification, us being made more like Jesus, that's us, right? That's our effort. As if that's separated from faith in God. Or maybe you've said things like, God helps those who help themselves. You ever hear that? So at that moment, what we're saying is God helps those who do works. Those who work really hard, those who prove themselves, those who set themselves apart from the rest, that's who God helps. But is that what we see? No. I mean, look at verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, do these present things, supplying the Spirit, working miracles, doing all this. Is it by your works? No, it's by faith. God doesn't help those who help themselves. He helps those who can't help themselves. He helps those who cry out in faith, God help! That's what the gospel is. And so that's, that's where we go now. Paul's now going to go from, okay, we looked at justification. You begin by the Spirit, how do you continue? What's going, or you begin by faith in the Spirit, and now how do you continue? The Christian life continues by faith. That's the next point. In verse 3, Paul again reveals his frustration and his astonishment. He calls them stupid once again. Theological basis for calling people stupid, Okay? anytime you can say what the bible says we can do it no but i mean we can't say this just so you know that like it's okay like there's sometimes we are stupid right sometimes we're doing stupid things so i i I encourage you pray for yourself that you'll be prepared at that moment when somebody does come to you and say man what you're doing is so dumb be prepared for it, because we do that. And, and I encourage you, be bold to go to people at some times. Now, we don't see Paul use this format in all the letters. Okay, so it's not like in every letter Paul's calling people stupid for the things they're doing. But, but the Galatians are breaking from faith. They're, they're turning back to a false gospel. It makes no sense. Paul's saying, this is dumb, this is stupid, don't do this. It's okay, we need to come at each other and sometimes be forceful all in love, but I want to encourage you, we need to do this. Again, not every time, not every conversation, not every week when you walk in, oh, what'd you do today? Well, that was stupid. No, we don't do that. That would be very weird. Funny in some ways, but weird. Um, So previously, what Paul has done is he's contrasted works of the law in hearing with faith. That's what he did in verse 2. Now he's going to contrast spirit with the flesh. Notice, let me, um, let me uh, verse 3, having begun by the spirit, are you being perfected by the flesh? So spirit and flesh are now what's being contrasted here. So, so what does that mean? Well, what is the flesh? Well, sometimes flesh means flesh, like skin, like bones. In chapter 2, verse 20, when Paul says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He's talking the life I live uh, as I'm walking around, my bones, my skin, wherever I'm at. That's what he's talking about there. But other times, when he he talks about the flesh, he's talking about unbelievers. He's talking about those who are still in Adam. Remember, Adam is the first man who was born. Therefore, we are all born in Adam, and therefore, we are all sinful because he sinned. Jesus Christ comes that we'd be transferred from Adam into Jesus, into a new humanity. And so, those who are in Adam live by the flesh. Those who are in Jesus live by the Spirit. So there's that contrast also. We see that in Galatians chapter 5 when Paul talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is characterized by new life in Jesus with the, work, with the Spirit in us. The, the works of the flesh are characterized by our old lives in Adam. And so sometimes he uses flesh that way. So we always need to be thinking, what is the context and how does the word flesh operate in this sense? So Paul is asking, you began by the Spirit, meaning your new life begun by the life-giving power of the Spirit. Are you now going to be perfected, meaning made complete, by going back to the flesh, back to your old self, back to the non-power of the old age? You see, the Judaizers, they probably said something like this. It's great that you believed in Jesus, but if you really want to be a son of Abraham, if you really want to be saved, if you want that upper escalon, if you want the, the good seats, if you truly want forgiveness of sins, then what you're going to need to do is to be circumcised, and you're going to need to follow these Old Testament laws. It's kind of like faith got you on that first rung of the ladder, and that's a great way to go, Jesus. You started us off, but now it's up to you to climb the rest of the way up the ladder by keeping the works. Now here's the problem. The law does not give freedom. I mean, mean, uh, look at verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. The law does not bring freedom. The law brings death. Look at verse 23. Verse 23 says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So in the law, there's a bondage. There's an imprisonment. There's a death. So the law does not bring life and freedom, but it brings bondage and death. It's only by grace, the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, that we've experienced freedom because the Spirit has come upon us that now we would live in a new way. Why would we go back to the flesh? Do you see the illogicalness that that Paul is saying? It's it's stupid that you're going back. There's no power. There's only death and cursing. You've been brought to Freedom. It's kind of like, think of a prisoner. He's been set free. You've been free. He goes off and he goes around the corner, climbs the wall, climbs back into the, jail, into the prison, goes back to his jail cell, climbs back in says, now I'm free. No, it's stupid. It's foolish. And that's what Paul is saying. Look, we begin by the Spirit, but if now you think that you're going to be perfected by the flesh, If you think now you're going to grow in your walk by your efforts and and your work, then you're simply just going back to the flesh. You're going back to your old self. The law does not bring life and freedom. It brings bondage and death. And to go back to the law is to actually nullify the grace of God. Look at verse 21. Or I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 21. That's more appropriate. Chapter 2, verse 20 says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Look, if, if we could achieve it by our efforts, Christ didn't need to die. So if we begin to depend upon our works, then what we're saying is, Jesus, we didn't really need you. Jesus, the cross, a little bit extreme there. You didn't really need to do all that. We have this. We're actually pretty sufficient in ourselves. So what I want to do is, before we move on, is, is what does this look like? Like, what does this look like to live in the flesh? Because if we're not careful, we read Galatians, and we know it's all about, about faith. And we all say, look, I'm, I'm, I believe in Jesus by faith, so we're good, right? So Galatians is really about people who still need to believe by faith. The problem is, this book is written to Christians like you and me, who we've begun our lives in faith, and then at some point we've turned away from faith. Do you see the similarity now? It's us. I'm not saying that we have turned, but we can. We can be exactly like the Galatians. They're a church who begun by the faith in Jesus Christ, but now they're turning. Have you ever turned? Have you ever begun to rely upon works? What does this look like? Well, in chapter 5, verse 19, we get an idea of what the works of the law, of works of the flesh, look like. We read things like. Sexual morality, impurity, jealousy, ju- drunkenness, divisions. And, and we see these maybe gross, obvious sins. But in our text, Paul has linked wor- works of the law and flesh. And he's done that because he's contrasted them with spirit in here and with faith. And so we have works of the law, which we know are mor- morality, like moral laws that, that uh, the, the Jewish people had. And he's connecting that with the flesh. And so the flesh does not always reveal itself in gross immorality. It might reveal itself in very good morality also. What this means is that in our flesh we can look very respectable. What this means is that in our flesh we can have perfect perfect church attendance. We can read the Bible one to two times a year or more. We can show up early to work. We can stay late at work. You can have the best cleaned, best cleaned, that's good English. You can have the best cleaned house. Um, You can work tirelessly in your house. Making sure it's spotless whenever people come over. Your cars are always spotless. Your yard is, is spotless. You always walk and dress to the nines. Everything you do, you're always concerned about appearance. Everything always looks good. You're always on time. You're never late. All these things are good, right? And yet, we can do them all in the flesh. And what that means is that we're doing them to make much of ourselves rather than in the spirit where we make much of God. See, the flesh can be very deceptive. It's not just gross immorality, but it can be morality also. A a way to see that is when asked the question, why would God allow you to enter into his heaven? Well, because I do this. No. No, it's not because you do this. It's because of what Christ has done. If the moment we begin to turn and start saying, well, I've done all these things, then what we've done was we begin to add to the works of Jesus. And we said, well, Jesus was good, but I added to all that. This is why I'm extra deserving. No. Perhaps you're here today and, and you're kind of wondering, okay, am I in the flesh? or, or how, do, I, do I sometimes go back and forth between the flesh? This is going to be a battle that we have in our Christian lives, living in the Spirit, battling the flesh, Let me just give you a few evidences, Um, little things to think about um, that you can kind of gauge yourself. Are you growing in love for others? Are you growing in your compassion for others, your patience for others? If you find that you're not, that's often because of the product of the flesh. If you're constantly comparing yourself against others or others against you, and you usually look better than them and say, well... You get angry because they're not like you; they don't respond to the things like you. You're operating within the flesh, and we have to be very careful about this. See, in America today, we're like puzzled: why why do our kids leave the church? Why why do our kids not stay in the church? I mean, I had my kids in service every single week. We were at every service; we never missed a day. They knew the law. Church doors open; we're there. I mean. I, that's the flesh, right? It's so easy. It's so deceptive. And trust me, your kids see that. Our kids see that. This isn't something we can ignore. This isn't something. Paul's not bringing this up and saying, hey, if you have time, guys, you might want to get back to this. If, if the Galatians don't repent... what that means is that they have not been saved by faith and they're going to continue to be hardened in their sin and continue to rebel against god but if they repent they reveal their salvation and as they turn back to be led by the spirit this is why the christian life is characterized a lot by repentance we're always repenting because we struggle at times in our walk sometimes we do turn back to the flesh but then we repent and we continue on by the spirit So Paul's now going to move on. In verse 4, he's going to talk about that the Christian life gives evidence of faith. And he says, did you suffer so many things in, in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Now, the word suffer here is the word pasco, and it does often mean suffer, but it can also mean experience. And I think the context fits experience Better than suffering, and I say that because nowhere else in the, in the in the book do we really talk about suffering of the Galatian Christians, and so it's a little strange if he just throws it in and then keeps moving without any side note. But it seems to fit the context a little better if we're saying you begun by the Spirit and hearing with faith, you continue by the Spirit and hearing with faith. After all, look at your experience. Isn't that what it's been? Hearing with faith, being led by the Spirit. So it seems to fit a little better context um the word experience there um and so so what he's doing is he's saying he's asking the galatians to look at their lives and say have you been depending upon the spirit what does your lives look like have you been following the commands of god have you been obeying the scriptures and have you been living out in faith in vain like did you not really believe or look at yourself didn't you believe right you you believed in jesus you 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 were there. I saw you when you responded. And you you stood up and said, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. And you continued to walk in faith at that moment. And, And what we know is that the Christian life will give evidence of this. And so just as the flesh will give evidence by the works of the law, the Christian life will give evidence by the fruit of the Spirit. And so what does it look like? What is Paul saying, what does your lives look like? Look at your experience. He's saying, look at your fruit. What has it produced? If you look at chapter 5, verse 22, Paul clearly shows what the fruit of the Spirit is. Shows that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against those things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What we see is the Christian life is one of love. It's about showing others the love of Christ. This means as as Christians that we will love, love one another, love our neighbors. We will continue to be growing in love and joy and peace and patience with those who are around us. So how do we do that? How do we live by faith? We, we begin by faith, and maybe we, we kind of get that. We understand that. Okay, we begin by faith. That's, we're responding, and we believe that Jesus Christ died, and that's how we're saved. But how do I walk each and every day by faith? Because that's the problem here. The Galatians are now saying, do we, need to, do we need to return to these works? No. It's by faith. It's always faith. You continue to walk by faith. So, so what does that look like? So what I want to do is, I, I want to I illustrate that by, by what I do, um, and this is, this is my practice, and hopefully this will, will inform you and give you a better picture. So, so number one, I pray. So often takes place in the morning, but my car time is my prayer time also, especially when I'm by myself. Um, but I pray pretty much always in the car. Whenever I'm going, I'm usually praying for wherever that destination is. I pray a job, family, a, you know, so many things, but on my way home i pray god help me to be gentle help me to be patient i need to be kind to my family because sometimes i don't want to be you ever not want to be kind you ever just want everyone to bend over backwards when you get home so i need god and his spirit to work in me and make me loving and gentle and kind if i'm going towards a meeting god give me wisdom i was in meetings all this last week they were amazing. They're not, they weren't amazing. I not mean they were necessary, but they're just, they're just meetings. God, give me wisdom. But I'm going to be gentle in these meetings. I'm me to speak wisely. I'm going to be full of love in these meetings. If I'm going to love these people, it's going to be because you are working in me. It's not be because I'm so loving. It's because you're going to work in me by the power of your spirit. So I spend a lot of time praying, focus is here that i want to be more like jesus i want other people to see jesus and i know the only way that's going to happen is through the spirit working in me so i I begin in prayer secondly I, i read the word the word is what fuels and guides my prayer so it's in the word every day where i'm reminded of who our god is it's in the word i'm reminded about the grace that god has given us through through jesus christ it's it's through the word that I'm reminded of all that he provides for us. It's through the word that I know that God is with me and promises like I will never leave you or forsake you or promises like nothing shall ever separate us from the love of God. It's in the word I'm reminded of my constant need for God's grace and his constant provision of grace. Next I go. I act the spirit has been given to you and to me if you believe not that we would sit in closets but that we would walk that's why in chapter 5 verse 16 it says, walk by the spirit our lives are characterized by the spirit so we go forth so when i go home i don't sit in my car god help me be kind and gentle towards my family okay when i feel kind and gentle i'll get out of my car it's not what i do i pray and I get out of my car and I go in. And I be kind and gentle to my family because I'm trusting that God is working in me. When I'm meeting in maybe a, a difficult meeting, maybe a conflict, um, and, and I, either I'm in one or I'm mediating between one, I go into there and I don't wait till I want to go into the room. I might never go into the room if that's the case, right? But I pray, God, I need strength. I've read your word, I know who you are, I know your character. I'm calling on you to do the very things that you say you will do in Scripture, and then I go, trusting that His Spirit is working in me. We don't wait till we feel it. We don't wait. I mean, think about it. You're in a fight with your spouse. I'll love my spouse when I feel like loving my spouse again. No, we pray, God. I know that I'm called to love my spouse. So, move me to love my spouse. Make me through the power of Your Spirit, who is in me, to love my spouse. And I go, and I love my spouse. That's what it is to to be led by the Spirit, to walk in faith. Preaching is is an example of this. So what I do is I read the Word, and I I come up here, and and I pray before I come up here, God, no one's going to be saved by anything I have to say. It's only going to be saved by your power. And so even as I'm up here, I continually pray through the Word of God that it goes forth and, and not my words. And then what I do so not only do I, 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 I pray, I read, I go, I act, or whatever, and then I keep praying. So I, I pray throughout the day. And I tell you, I, I better understand what Paul means. We, we pray without ceasing. I start the day with prayer, and I have dedicated times of prayer, but now I just see I mean, in every moment, in conversations. I pray before I'm in conversations and when I'm talking with people and they're asking me things or whatever the conversation is, I'm going, God, help me right now. I need wisdom. I need love. God, give me patience or whatever it is. I'm constantly depending upon the spirit through faith. The Christian life is characterized by faith from A to Z. That's, that's how we live. That's how Paul is calling us to live. That's what we see not only here, but that's what we see in Romans 8. Romans 8 is all about how we live in the spirit. If you're here today, I encourage you to, to spend time reflecting, have you been trusting in the flesh? Have you been looking at the things you do, moving yourself up, some type of pole, giving yourself extra notches on the belt, thinking that God is lucky to have you on his team? thinking that, man, that's Timberline, we're really lucky you're here? Or is it that, just how God's grace has come upon your life, and you're made more aware of his grace, more aware of your dependence upon him. And yes, we do work, and there is a great relationship between faith and works. Faith will always produce works. Works does not ever necessarily produce faith. Faith will always produce works. And so we always work, we always live by faith. And works will come. So this is what Paul is doing here. He's beginning this chapter 3. We don't turn to works. Everything about the Christian life is faith. Next week, we're going to see how this was true in the Old Testament. We're going to go back and we're going to look at the story of Abraham. So I encourage you, if you have time, go read like chapters 12 through 22 of of, of Abraham, of Genesis. And that'll be good preparation for next week. Let's pray. Father, Father, we thank you for today. Everything about the Christian life is faith. God, may we remember that. You have provided everything we need. We do not need to earn things. We do not need to prove ourselves. We simply trust in you. You've given us your spirit to work in us that we'd be able to do this, that we'd live by your power And that through faith in you, we would glorify you. God, help us as we go out from this room. May we be people of faith. At home, at our work, with our neighbors, with our families, in our conversations. May everything we do be through faith in your son, Jesus Christ, by the power of your spirit. May we stop depending upon ourselves, but may we trust in you. In your name, Jesus, amen ready to close. I just want to encourage you, be praying for Daryl. He's having a pretty good surgery or pretty serious surgery tomorrow just with his heart, and so be praying for him. He'd love cards. He'd love um, phone calls, so please feel free to do that. Um, Afterwards, I encourage you stay around. Stay for a long time. Um, Come and hug on Dell and Sandy. Um, Give them lots of hugs and kisses invade those little those little privacy zones where you have personal space um but uh love on them they've been such a sweet wonderful couple and uh donna's getting the cake ready right now it looks like but want to encourage you really to be praying for them and encourage you as you go out uh, live by faith it's a battle every day it's a battle every day Will you depend upon yourself or will you depend upon jesus christ and so i encourage you uh depend upon christ live by faith let me pray and uh do we have one more song Nope, okay. Father, we love you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Yeah, we just lift up Daryl right now. I pray just as he's, God, as he's in uh, the clinic right now, just being, being looked at, God, help him. Calm his nerves. Thank you for his love. Thank you that he loves you so much. Lord, we just ask that you place your hands upon him. You bring healing to his body. Lord, I pray to calm his nerves as he has the surgery tomorrow. <coughs> Lord, just be with Daryl today. Or thank you for Dale and Sandy. Just thank you for them. What a sweet, sweet couple. How much they love you, how they love your church, how they love the kids here. Lord, I pray that you be with them as they travel back to the East Coast where they'll be with their family. And God, may, they be, that, may that just be a time of blessing. Lord, we thank you for family. Lord, thank you for your word today. Continue to grow us deep in your word. May we be a church rooted deeply in your word. God, help us to live by faith. Faith in your son, Jesus Christ. In your name, amen.